Good morning, everybody. Welcome to The Surge. We are continuing our movie series this morning, talking about The Shawshank Redemption, which is perhaps the best movie ever made about hope. If you want a bad movie about hope, that would be The Postman. I would not recommend that one. Uh, but Shawshank Redemption is really good. Um, so it's interesting because hope has been a theme of art for as long as we've made art. And one of the early stories actually takes a very different tack. And so in, in classical stuff, there's almost two two theories of hope, as it were. So this is uh, Pandora. Uh, you may recognize her from such great hits as Pandora's Box. So what happened was, is Prometheus gave fire to man, which really made Zeus angry. Zeus was not uh, a happy guy. And so to get even with Prometheus, he punished him, but he also set up his brother. So Prometheus told his brother, listen, don't accept any gifts from Zeus, just don't do it. And so Zeus prepared Pandora, who was this beautiful girl, and, and presented him to Prometheus' brother. Um, I think his name was Epithemius. Well, I may not be saying that correctly, but it's, it's close. And, and basically, even though he knew he should accept the gift of this beautiful girl, he's like, she's, she's gorgeous, and she's really funny. And so he says, okay. So he, he marries this girl, <laughs> and uh, Zeus also gives her a box. And inside the box, the Greek gods had collected all of the evils and all the infirmities of the world, and they put them all in the box. Uh, I don't know that they told her that, but they said, don't open the box. Don't open it. Don't open the box. <laughs> so, you know, and like, like uh, I don't know, if you'd given me the box, I would not have been able to resist that. And so <laughs> eventually she, she can't stand it anymore. She opens the box and releases all of the evil into the world, Pandora's box. Um, so she's trying to shut the box. She's trying to shut the box, but the evil, all the evils escape, and they, you know, wreak havoc. Um, but she, she closes the box, and the only thing left in the box was hope. And so in the West, we read the story, and we say, oh, isn't that sweet? That's, really, that's all that's really nice. Um, but a, a scholar named Hesiod and some other people have talked about this, that if you remember, I think the Greeks might have more of a pessimistic, pessimistic vision of this than we do. Um, remember, the box was full of evil. <laughs> so for the Greeks, hope was evil. Hope was that thing that it's not going to work out, but, you, but there's something about humanity that we still think it's going to, you know, it's going to be okay, even when it's clearly not going to be okay. And so it was a very pessimistic thing that hope was the last of the evils that we're inflicted with, and that we'll hope even when things are really bad and we really shouldn't hope. <laughs> so that's not the only story of hope. There's another story of hope from Christianity, from uh, other, other places and where we're going to go today, and it's the hope of the Shawshank Redemption, which is... There is something good about hope. There's something noble and true about it. And there's something that, that is God-infused with the idea of hope. And that's where we're going. So Bernard, uh, George Bernard Shaw famously said that both optimists and pessimists contribute to society. Uh, the optimist invents the airplane. The pessimist invents the parachute, right? And so the optimist is, is doing his stuff. The pessimist is going, ah, that could go very badly. We need to think about that for a minute. And, and both of these can really contribute. But in, in this case, if you take the pessimistic view of hope itself, it really leads to a dark vision of life that I think is counter to the gospel. So the Shawshank Redemption, and what I'm going to talk about today, is the other kind of hope. It's the second kind of hope. So in our movie series, Encanto is a story of calling. Pinocchio is a story of bravery. Shawshank is a story about hope, and it's the good kind, the kind that Christianity talks about. So a very, very quick uh, walk through the Shawshank Redemption. Most people have seen this, but just very, very quickly. Uh, the main character, played by Tim Robbins, is a guy named Andy Dufresne who is unjustly imprisoned. His, his wife was being unfaithful to him, and he was drunk and freaked out. He had a gun, but at the last minute, he decided not to, do, not to kill him. <laughs> he went home, 
And then there was a robbery that went bad, and it got pinned on him. So he goes to jail for murdering his wife, which he didn't actually do. In Shawshank, he meets uh, Red, um, who is uh, the other main character, sparks up a friendship with him, and, and that's really the story of the movie. At one point, there's a, one of their friends is an older gentleman named Brooks, who was the, the old librarian, if you remember from the movie. He gets out. He's very old. He's having trouble reentering society, and he just can't handle it. He's overwhelmed, and he just, he, just loses, he just loses it and actually kills himself in this really harrowing sequence of, of uh, just a loss of hope. Um, he actually hangs himself in his, in his room. Shortly after this, um, Andy has been trying to get a library going in the prison. He's pestering the state legislature. They finally send him some money. They actually send him a record player and, and some Mozart, and that's the clip that we just saw, where he actually, he's, he's trying out the record player, and he puts it over the loudspeakers and actually brings hope to the entire prison. So he gets the library going. He actually starts laundering money for the, the prison as the warden is uh, using the cheap labor to do construction projects, and then he's skimming off the top. And then at some point in, in, in the story, uh, there's an inmate that comes in named Tommy. And Tommy had a cellmate that actually had confessed to Andy's wife's murder. And so when the Tim Robbins character Andy finds out about this, he goes to the warden and says, oh my gosh, I'm innocent. I can prove it. This guy can testify. The warden doesn't want to lose him in terms of his money laundering capability. So he has Tommy murdered. <laughs> right? and, and it's that point. And he puts Andy in solitary for two full months. And it's just, it's that moment that it's just the darkest moment. And he's just, he's just beside himself. He gets out of that and has this encounter with Red the night before his escape. And this is clip two. I think he'll ever get out of here. Me? Yeah. One day when I got a long white beard and two or three marbles rolling around upstairs. They let me out. I'll tell you where I'd go. To Watton Hill. To what? To Watton Hill. It's in Mexico. A little place on the Pacific Ocean. You know what the Mexicans say about the Pacific? No. They say it has no memory. That's where I want to live the rest of my life. A warm place with no memory. Open up a little hotel. Right on the beach. Buy some worthless old boat and fix it up new. Take my guests out. Charter fishing. They want the nail. In a place like that, I could use a man that knows how to get things. I don't think I could make it on the outside, Andy. I've been in here most of my life. I'm an institutional man now. It's like Brooks was. Well, you underestimate yourself. I don't think so. In here, I'm the guy who can get things for you, sure, but 
Outside, all you need is the yellow pages. I wouldn't even know where to begin. Pacific Ocean? About scare me to death, something that big. Not me. I didn't shoot my wife, and I didn't shoot her lover. Whatever mistakes I made, I paid for them, and then some. That hotel, that boat, I don't think that's too much to ask. I don't think you ought to be doing this to yourself, Andy. This is just pipe dreams. I mean, Mexico is way to down there, and you're in here, and that's the way it is. Yeah, right. That's the way it is. It's down there, and I'm in here. I guess it comes down to a simple choice, really. Get busy living, or get busy dying. Andy. Fred. If you ever get out of here, do me a favor. Sure, Andy. Anything. There's a big hayfield up near Buxton. You know where Buxton is? There's a lot of hayfields up there. One in particular. It's got a long rock wall, a big oak tree at the north end. It's like something out of a Robert Frost poem. It's where I asked my wife to marry me. I went there for a picnic and made love under that oak, and I asked, and she said yes. Promise me, Red. If you ever get out, find that spot. At the base of that wall, you'll find a rock that has no earthly business in a main hayfield. A piece of black volcanic glass. There's something buried under it I want you to have. What, Andy? What's buried under there? You'll have to pry it up to see. So this is an absolutely amazing scene. If you're if you're writing a paper, this is this is your scene that you want to write about. Um, so in the first part of this scene, they're actually talking up against the the rock wall here, and they're both in shadow. And one of the things that Shawshank Redemption does pretty consistently all the way through is there's really a lot of cool stuff with light and shadow. So they're both talking in shadow about kind of where they are and what's going on. Then in the middle of the scene, hit the next slide. Andy's in the light. Red is still in the shadow when he's talking to him about this, this idea of if you ever get out of here, go to this place, find this box. He's like, what's in the box, Andy? What's in the box? You know, he's, he's and then at the end of the scene, hit the next slide, Red is half in light and half in shadow. He's literally pulling him. He's, he's implanting this idea of hope. He's bumping him and nudging him. Red isn't all the way there yet, but the idea of hope, he's, he's almost there, right? He's moving into the light. And this is what the movie is, is about. It's about this movement from darkness to light. It's this movement from despair to hope. And Andy is consistently a paragon of hope in the movie. In the underworld of Shawshank, Andy consistently brings hope to the prisoners, or he gives them a chance for it, right? So the scene where they're tarring the roof and he gets the workers a couple of beers to drink at the end of the day and they feel like free men. 
Um, the Mozart clip we played earlier from The Marriage of Figaro, that's just this inspiring moment where they forget they're in prison just for a minute and have this moment of beauty. Um, the work he does with the library, he helps bring inmates. He gets them their high school diplomas. All this is bringing hope. And as he's slowly digging through the wall of his cell for 20 years with a tiny little hammer, uh, he goes through this for a 20-year period. But he doesn't keep going on that process, that project, without hope. The biggest thing that we see in Andy as a paragon of hope is him opening the door for Red in the scene that we just saw. Now, after Andy's escape, Red is eventually released, and he follows Brooks' path almost exactly. He's in the same halfway house. He's working the same job at the supermarket, and he's struggling to reenter a world that is now alien to him, that he's been disconnected with for years. He's disenfranchised. He doesn't have any real prospects, and he doesn't have any real hope. But instead of Brooks' path, which led to self-violence, Red has one more card to play. He finds Andy's rock. He's seeing what's there, and he can't resist it. Um, so remember that what we're trying to do here uh, in the movie series is to be faithful to the movie, to understand what it's doing, and then to look at it from a perspective of faith. So one last clip, just for this one's pretty short. Uh, one last clip, and then we'll we'll land the we'll land the plane. Dear Red, if you're reading this, you've gotten out. And if you've come this far, maybe you're willing to come a little further. You remember the name of the town, don't you? Zewataneo. I could use a good man to help me get my project on wheels. I'll keep an eye out for you and the chessboard ready. Remember, Red, hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. I will be hoping that this letter finds you, and finds you well. Your friend, Andy. For the second time in my life, I'm guilty of committing a crime. Parole violation. Of course, I doubt they'll toss up any roadblocks for that. Not for an old crook like me. Fort Hancock, Texas, please. 
I find I'm so excited I can barely sit still or hold a thought in my head. I think it's the excitement only a free man can feel. A free man at the start of a long journey whose conclusion is uncertain. I hope I can make it across the border. I hope to see my friend and shake his hand. I hope the Pacific is as blue as it has been in my dreams. I hope. What, what a great ending, right? I hope I can make it across the border. I hope to see my friend and shake his hand. I hope the Pacific is as blue as it is in my dreams. I hope, right? In terms of analysis, this is the key to the principle of repetition. When you hear something like this over and over and over, it's important. It becomes our key to understanding what this movie is about. And, and it's interesting because the Shawshank Redemption looks like it's about Andy, but it's actually the story of Red. He's the one that moves from the darkness into the light. He's the one that, with the power of friendship, finds hope again. He's the one who is redeemed. He is the Shawshank Redemption. It's red. So, turning the corner into the perspective of faith, the Bible actually talks about hope quite a bit. So let me read to you from the book of Titus. This is chapter 2, verse 11. Uh, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all, all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So three things in this passage about hope. And I'm going to be fast, so, so fasten your seatbelts. Make sure your crash helmets are firmly in place. The first thing is this. The thing that gives us hope is the grace of God appearing. This is Jesus. This is the Christmas story. This is the incarnation. God made man come as a little baby and living his life both as our Savior and as our example, dying on the cross, giving his life for us to restore us. Why? Because God loves us. And God loves us so much. This is a foundation for hope. This is a reason for hope, the grace of God appearing. The second thing is the grace of God enduring. It says, with the Holy Spirit and the power of the resurrection, he helps us in the present age to find good works, to find a good life right here and right now, God sustains us. Um, and, and even if we're wandering in the desert, you know, God gives us a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He feeds us beyond human reason. He takes care of us even in very difficult times. The grace of God enduring sustains us, and this is a reason for hope. And here, the key hope that's mentioned in this passage and in another one that I'll read in just a minute is the grace of God returning. He's coming again to finish the story. He's going to set everything in place. Like the Shawshank Redemption, our story has a happy ending. And Tolkien said this beautifully in, in one of his works. He said that this is the moment where everything sad comes untrue. It's just a great thought. God has a future for us. And even, even in the wake of loss and even in the wake of death, we grieve. But we, grieve, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. 
And that passage is a really interesting one because if you look at the larger context of it, this passage is really, really fun. So let me, let me look at this and we'll land the plane. This is from 1 Thessalonians. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So the big idea is this. Hope is powerful. It's powerful. It can help us. And God sent hope to whoever's having a worse day than we are that that, <laughs> that angel is going for. Um, we're just bless them and, and keep them safe. The big idea is this. Hope is powerful and it can help us. We use the word hope in, in our culture now in a really watered down way. And I want to get away from this idea. We, we use it in a way that allows for disappointment. You know, it's like, ah, I hope it doesn't rain today or hope I have time to get a haircut. It's like, that's not the hope I'm talking about. Right? I'm talking about real hope. This is not what Shawshank is talking about. This is not what the New Testament is talking about. We're talking about hope with a gigantic H, a capital H. So here's what I want you to do. Decide now. Just make the decision now. Sometime in the future, you're going to get, you're going to do something that makes the word mad. You're going to get put in solitary. Decide in the future that when, when something bad happens to you, decide to not lose hope. Just make the decision. I'm not going to lose hope. I'm going to find it. Or, you know, I, I, I know some of you well enough to know that right now you're getting kicked around by life pretty good through circumstances in your family or, or personally. And, and here's what I want you to do, right? Remember the foundation of hope. Remember the hope of God appearing, that God literally moved heaven and earth for you to dig your tunnel out of your stupid cell, <laughs> to, to move you from darkness into light. Stand on that foundation. It, it's solid ground. It's more true than the trouble that you're experiencing. It's more true than the distress you're feeling right now. Second, do this. Remember that your story has a happy ending. And this matters. It really, really does. The hope of heaven is even brighter than, say, Wataneo, right? Which is a beautiful place in Mexico on the, on the Pacific side. Um, God is in control of history. Nothing is beyond his reach. Nothing. And everything will be okay in the end. You can stand on that hope. That's also a good place to, to remember, to be grateful. Let it encourage you. Let it encourage you deeply. The third thing is this. The grace that endures, the hope for right now. God has promised that even in times of trouble, he will never leave us or forsake us. So if you feel like you're in stupid Shawshank right now, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Keep digging. Keep the rock hammer sharp. Because the amazing thing of God coming and coming again and the resurrected saints meeting Christ in the air is this. It's this. The Son of God that came in the past and that is coming in the future is the same God that loves us today, that loves us right now, that loves us where we are. And he draws us into that story. He joins us to his past, to the future, and he is with us in the present. And in that light, we can experience joy even in trouble, even in sorrow. We can know a peace that passes understanding, that we feel peace even though on paper it doesn't make any sense. We can have a hope that simply cannot be taken away. It cannot be taken away, no matter what is coming against you or no matter what is happening to you now. So stand on that hope. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, and Lord, I just pray a special blessing over everyone that is here. 
God, I pray that you would just remind us of hope once again, that you would inspire us of hope, that you would just fill right now, fill our hearts with your hope that is based on a sure foundation, that is based on trust and love. And Lord, that is based on something real. It's not just something that makes us feel better for a minute and then yeah, we go back to what we're doing. But Lord, this is something that is real and it's something that lasts forever. Lord, I bless everyone in this room with hope. In the name of Jesus, I bless them with hope. And Lord, I pray that you would just remind us powerfully as we go day to day, step by step, that your hope is a powerful and a beautiful thing. In Jesus' name, amen.